Hello and welcome to episode 77 of The Luke Winstall Show. Now I'm joined by two-time All-Pro, the Sporting News Defensive Player of the Year in 2008, and one of the most ferocious defensive linemen of all time, Albert Hainsworth. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me on. You're welcome. I'm excited to talk to you. First off, I'm curious, what's your background? How did your journey begin to becoming a star football player? Well, I started playing football at uh, six years old. I uh, never missed a year. Um, Actually, I think I was too young to play, but my uncle uh, uh, was head over the recreation department, so uh, yeah, he put me in there, and um, yeah, that's kind of how my football career started. So, why do you think that you developed a passion for the game of football? Uh, you know, I think it really just came natural uh, to me. Uh, because it's kind of funny because my family is all basketball players and also they're, they're short. Um, like, you know, the guys are like five, seven, five, eight. And, and the women are like, you know, five, one to five, four, maybe, you know, and, and then here you go. You got me. And I'm, I'm six foot seven. So I guess the male male had to be, I don't know. Six five itself. <laughs> <laughs> so, when we look at who you are as a person, your personality, and the essence of who you are, how would you describe yourself? What adjectives would you use, or what phrases would you use to describe who you are? Uh, just laid back. Um, you know what you see on the field is not who I am, and you know off the field, you know in person. And I hear a lot of people that say that. So, um, you know, it's just, so you have to be super intense to, uh, to uh, you know, to play football or, or to play that position. I mean, I, I feel. So, um, you know, it was good what you saw in the football field. I mean, that's what I am, you know, off the field. Right, so how did you get yourself on Sundays or whenever you needed to gear up? How did you get yourself from the laid-back personality that I'm talking to to the guy who would go out and dominate offensive linemen and just be all over the field? Uh, well, you know, really, I kind of think about all the bad things as happened in my life and you know, it's kind of getting me worked up and then also feel like uh, I'm going to have to take it out on the person, you know, across from me and, and, and how it was disrespectful. I, I felt like it was disrespectful for them to even want to play against me. And, you know, it's just it's all kinds of different things to, uh, you know, to get my emotions going and and to, uh, you know, just to go out there and, and play the game. So it seems like from your career, gearing up in that way and being playing angry had a lot of upside to you with the way you played, but obviously the really one downside was the situation that happened when you stepped on the face of Andre Giroud. So looking back, if I can ask, how do you remember that play in that situation? Uh, how do I remember? I mean... Really, it was a, a blur, and like I don't actually really remember it. Um, like 
I mean, of course, I've seen it and stuff, but it was more, um, I mean, I guess, like, I just kind of lost it. Well, I guess I did, because all I remember is, like, really not waking up, but just kind of, like, coming to in the locker room, and I'm in there by myself. It ain't halftime, and it's not end of the game. I'm like, what in the world? And then, like, the TV's on in the locker room. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe that. Like, I didn't remember, I guess, yelling yelling at Jeff or, or you know, stepping on uh, Andre's head or or anything. I mean, like, literally, uh, it's, it's nuts, like, how it happened. Yeah, because I think from that play, you tend to get a bad rap. And I know from watching interviews and talking to people that have spoken with you, you're not a bad guy, so I guess it's just a time where it got away from you. Is that kind of how you chalk it up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a, it's an awful moment in my life that which that doesn't define me. I mean, yeah, it just happened caught on camera. I mean, everybody's had a, a very horrible moment, which they think uh, never had. Uh, but you know, that was mine. So um, you know, I just uh, you know grow from it. You know. Uh, that's what you gotta do. Definitely, and like I said, that reputation that you carry that kind of came from or was sparked by that incident, how do you feel about that and the way that some people might perceive you just based off of hearing one or two things about you? You know, like, uh, I just, uh, I mean, you get that, you get that rap or something, but you know, I like, I'm not, you know, people want to have their opinions, you know, no matter what you do. Um, so, it is what it is. Like I, I know who I am and what type of person I am. You know, people around me know what type of person I am. So I don't, I don't let it affect me. I used to, used to get bothered by it and, and things, but now, you know, it's like, I just like to let it roll off my back, to be honest, because I know who I am and, and everything. The high points of your career seem to come in the 2007-2008 seasons. You're an all-pro, dominating the game of football. So how would you describe your emotions and experience when you're at the top of your game? Uh, we were having fun uh, on the field. Uh, wasn't really looking at, like, me, me, or anything like that. It was just um, us guys, like our front four and some of the linebackers were just having fun. You know, we just had a really good time. So, uh, it wasn't, you know, uh, you know, wasn't, I guess looking at the accolades and all that stuff, you know. What's a memory from that time that you think sums up your experience or sums up the way that you and your linemen had fun in those years? Uh, you know, I can't really... Uh, I can't really just say a time, but it's just like kind of all the time. Anytime we're on the field, uh, we were having a great time. You know, even though I had the mean face on, but we were having fun, you know, just really just destroying offense alignment and, and, and just breaking offenses and, and giving, uh, giving, uh, you know, quarterbacks, uh, you know, that fear, 
you know, I mean, that's a funny thing. I mean, that's the great thing, having that fear, seeing that, seeing that fear in their eyes. Is there any one quarterback that stands out to you that jogs out on the field or after a play gets up and you just can feel or you can see the fear? <laughs> Absolutely. We played him twice a year. It was, uh, it was Shaw, Matt Shaw. <laughs> like, he, he was like a deer in the headlights. Like, I don't know him personally, uh, but you could tell, like, when we're coming after him, he he was like a deer in the headlights. And he was actually, you know, pretty good quarterback, in my opinion. But, like, we had his number. And, and you know, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome to have that. So, outside of having fun and enjoying yourselves, what was that vibe like for you, both on the sideline and the locker room, when you're with that Titans defense that is just instilling this fear and this ferocity into their opponents' hearts? Uh, it's a great feeling. I mean, it's an absolutely great feeling. And as far as you know, offensive linemen too. You know, I mean, they when you have that that fear and you're just dominant, there's nothing they can do about it. I mean. That's that's a high you can't buy. I mean, they just look hopeless, you know. So um, that was that was an unbelievable feeling for us. I know in the games that you played, you would play sometimes against different linemen or get different matchups. But was there any battle that you really enjoyed? Someone that gave you a good challenge? Uh, you know, somebody who gave me always gave me. A great challenge uh, was Chester Pitts. Uh, you know, no matter what, uh, I can watch him, and he might might get beat by a couple guys. You know, like games before, you know, watching the film. But then, you know, he always, always brought his A game uh, against me, like always. So uh, it was always a great battle, you know, uh, between me and him. In terms of, for you as a player, with what you could do physically and also your mentality, what do you think made you such a good player and such a dominant player during that time? I you know, like, really, what, what, where my game really changed is when I got a personal trainer, um, and not really knocking the team's uh, training or anything, but when you get a personal, like well, the trainer that I had, uh, you know, he came down and stayed with me and stuff, but he, like, things we did was four defensive tackles, you know, it's four explosion, uh, you know, it's like hands and things. And I mean, that's where I really excelled, uh, with that stuff. Like, uh, other teams, and you can see even look at like high school, college, and all that stuff. They their their workouts are all pretty much the same. Like, all right, uh, say they're gonna run that day. Okay, uh, Lyman might run, you know, fifty yards, forty or fifty yards, and, and you know, and linebackers running like sixty or so yards, and then like DBs are like running like eighty. You know, but still, like what what we did. We didn't, we didn't run things like that. 
we had an amazing workout, but we would like uh, explosion burst. Like we weren't worried about you know 50, 60 yards stuff like that because you know how often are you running like that in the field? But you know, but like uh, what you're doing every down, you are running you know like five, ten, fifteen yards. So it was really just creating that explosion and being explosive. I mean, uh, if you could look at the difference of the tape, I mean, that's really what, uh, what changed my game. If I were a young defensive lineman that, for example, just got drafted into the NFL, among the things you did with your personal trainer, what would you recommend to someone like that to try to up their game and get ready for the NFL? I mean, the thing about like football is uh, there's no secret sauce to get to get to become you know a good player, a great player. But really, you know what it is is just paying attention to the details of the game. Uh, like it'll slow down for you. Um, you know, you start just breaking it down, and if you can pay attention to the details of the game, then then you'll be all right. So now after your time in Tennessee, you go and sign that mega deal with Washington. And I know it didn't quite work out. So I have to ask what happened in Washington? Really? What went down there? Oh, there's like a number of things that went down. Like one, um, you know, our, our defensive scheme was, was different. Um, it was a lot more, you have to stay in your gap. You, you know, you have to do this. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's kind of a whole different game. And, and, and the way we did in Tennessee, and my linebacker behind me was Keith Bullock, all right, Keith, this is like, you know, like, hey, I mean, you're right up close. If you miss your gap, I'll cover your gap because you'll have my gap. Like, you know, but there, uh, it was like, oh, you got to hold your gap or you're getting yelled at or this and then and also the way uh, we pretty much called a front <laughs> in passing downs and uh, in Tennessee Washington that wasn't the case yeah, they only call it call it and also another thing is like we didn't care if a team motioned or you know uh, you know or stacked in line or whatever like once we lined we, we got down, lined up, we, you know, we lined up, like, um, and the linebackers would adjust to the line. Well, in uh, Washington, what they would do is, like, okay, you motion, and they're going to, like, set the front. So then you're, you know, then you're like, moving over. And that doesn't sound like much. And then, then uh, something else would happen, and they can change the play. So, I mean, you just got all these things you're kind of thinking about before you're getting off the ball, so you're not thinking about getting off the ball. Tennessee, you don't, once you put that hand down on the ground, you're getting off the ball. You got nothing to worry about. All you have to do is watch the ball. Well, Washington, you, you know, you got like, oh, oh, he called right. Oh, no, they called left. Oh, they changed the place. So you got like all these things in your, you know, in your head that you're thinking. And, you, and you're like, all right, and they got to watch the ball. So you got a slower react. You know what I mean? It's, 
And people don't understand that. You don't want to have to think. You know, you just want to play. Did you ever feel that in that different scheme in Washington, was it ever limiting to you? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. I, mean, I thought we had some really good players, and I thought I could have did well there. But, uh, no, I mean, it's just like the things, like, that was the first year, and then the second year, they go to play a defense that, like, literally, you know, they're playing from six years old, never played. To me, me being explosive to grab, tackle, and stuff, to, I mean, explosive to destroying a line, to holding a guy up so linebackers can run through. I mean, it was like, you know, spread your feet, like, don't go across the ball. I mean, it was <laughs> completely wild. Like, what, what is the, I mean, it was just the dumbest defense I've ever been in. I mean, by far, like, it's such a waste of time, I think. When you signed that contract with Washington, did you know any of this about the scheme heading in? Or was it something that you found out when you got there? No, I mean, they they told me and my agent on the phone, um, but I'm like, no, we're, we're playing same exact defense in the seat place. And I'm like, all right, cool. I mean, it'd be awesome. Like, come in there, I mean, you know, it's not going to be any difference, but it was, it was completely different. And I learned that my first uh, OTA. And we did all that stuff. And I was like, the coordinator, I was like, hey, I thought we were going to, like, do, you know, like, you know, come about the Tennessee defense. He was like, no, we're not doing none of that. I run everything over here. They don't tell me what to do. I'm like, wow. Like, well, you know, I really felt betrayed too. I was like, why lie? Get me here. You know what I mean? Like, I felt, I felt really felt hurt about that. So, is it true that you took less money to go to Washington as well? Yeah, I could have. I could have took more going to. Tampa, and I could have uh, actually got 35% more, to be honest. And probably would have been, um, you know, definitely a better outcome because their defense was very similar to Tennessee's defense. Just with a little tweaks, it could have been, could have been really good. Wow. Okay. I'm curious. So now – with the system having a lot to do and the coaching having a lot to do with what happened in Washington, the relative lack of success compared to when you're in Tennessee, how do you feel or how do you respond to people that say that your contract in Washington was a bust or something of that nature? Yeah, I don't really care. I mean, I know what happened uh, there. I mean, I, I wish it would have been better, but, um, uh, I mean, they could say that, but if you look at it, I still improved that defense. Uh, my agent showed me that, like, when I was in the game and when I was out of the game, it was a full yard um, improvement with me being in the game in the defense. Uh, guys that's been there for years that's never made the Pro Bowl that, when I got there, made the Pro Bowl. 
Um, so, I mean, you could say it was definitely lackluster compared to the years before, but I still, at the end of the day, improved that that defense. And even even on that three four scheme, I still improved that defense. I was still something I'd never done before. I still helped that defense. In Tennessee, you talked about how much fun you and your teammates had on the defensive side of the ball. Did you have fun in Washington? No. No, it was not fun. So why would you say it wasn't fun? I know the production and the sack totals weren't there for you, but what else was going on around you that makes you say you didn't really have fun? Um, well, I mean, it's the players. It was totally different. Like, you know, we... As a defense line, in Tennessee, love to uh, you know to just really just kick ass. And there, it was more about hey, where are we going tonight? You know, after the game, like what club? You know, oh, I got a table here. You know, I mean, it was just so like football was. I mean, it was just kind of a thing, you know, like a pastime. They're not, uh, well, not, not how we just like lived it and loved it, and, and you know had a, uh, um, you know, kind of like just a, a family. Like my guys, my guys are still tight. You know, we still talk, and then like when we all do get together and see each other, I mean, it's just like old times again. You know, so uh, yeah, uh, just totally different. So now looking back at your career from all the success and the money and the highs and lows and reputation, how do you reflect on it when you think about your time playing in the league? Well, you know, it was, it was, it was good. I mean, I, I did, you know, I played football and had, you know, mostly a good time. So, um, no real complaints. I mean, I wish, of course, I finished better stayed in uh, you know stayed in in uh, Nashville and, and I could have probably went to the uh, you know the Hall of Fame and things like that that's what I, that's what kind of what I really uh, wish I did yeah I was gonna follow up and ask you if there's anything what do you wish you would have done differently so I guess it sounds like staying in Nashville would have been one of those things that you would have done well you know what I would have did Loved it. I would have loved to stay in Nashville. What I would have did on my part differently is I would have the same way, um, and then but right there on in free agency, like when it opened up, I would have uh, you know had the Washington offer, and then I would have called, I would have called uh, the Titans and said, "Hey, you know this is." Uh, you know, this is what the, the Titans offered. Um, you know, we'll come close to it. You know, we'll see if we can do a deal that way. You know, not not just take a you know hometown discount or something like that, but you know, at least at least I would have put it back in their court. And they couldn't, you know, not even like I'm gonna say come close, but if they could have gave me a, a 
great deal that it's like, hey, that shows people like, hey, we want we want him and we appreciate him for the things that we did. Like I would have uh, I would have taken that. Like it didn't have to be, you know, a hundred million. You know, it could have been eighty or, or something like that. You know, like uh, I, I would have been definitely grateful for that. I just wanted something. Um, to show that I was appreciated. Okay. In the way that the contract was negotiated or the process for you where you're getting offers from teams, you're looking around. I mean, can you take me through what that was like for you? Because it was really your first time getting the huge money pile of over a hundred million offered to you. Well, you know, I'll be honest, it didn't, didn't it wasn't anything for me. Like I, uh, like my agent is really all my else his his deal. I just I was asleep. Um, it was like super early in the morning. I guess they started like you know one o'clock or you know something like that or whatever. Well, I get my phone ringing. I don't know. I don't know it's probably like four or five o'clock something. I don't even know. It's still dark out. I know that much. And um, he was like, hey, we got this deal, you know, uh, Washington. I said, oh, okay. And he was just like, yeah, you know, like uh, $100 million and like $40 million guaranteed. And I was like, oh, cool. And I was just like, damn, like, like I was like, a 41. It's just odd number, you know. It's just a real odd number. How about like, you know, you know, 42 or 45 or, you know, like, I don't want to say 40, but, you know, just, like, make it, like, a clean number. <laughs> you know? And I, I think, like, dude, you need to wake up. Wake up. Like, you're the highest paid, you're the highest paid uh, defensive player ever in history. The first one, the son, uh, you know, the, the get $100 million deal, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's, like, spitting all this stuff out. I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, so you think it's a good deal? And he was like, yeah, it's an amazing deal. So I said, all right. Okay, well, I guess I agree. And literally, I go back to sleep. And then uh, I end up, you know, an hour or so later or whatever. Because uh, they're like, hey, you're sending a plane here right now and stuff. So they're like, uh, I had to like, get dressed to go there. I was in Nashville. And like when I wake up, uh, TV's on or whatever, and it's like all over. And, I mean, all over the news and stuff. Holy crap! <laughs> so I'm like, uh, okay, like, all right, well, um, yeah, I guess I'm going to Washington. And it's like, really, no, no going back. Well, how do you feel looking back on the negotiation? You say a lot of it was your agent. Do you feel he did a good job, or what did you think there? No, I, I think he. Definitely a great job. I mean, he, you know, that's what the agents do. The agents go out to get the clients uh, the most money possible. So, uh, yeah, he did that. But I wish I would have taken more of a, a charge of it and and said, hey, you know, I want to see what Tennessee is going to offer out and give them a chance. You know, I, I wish I would have done that. So it happened so quickly, Tennessee never got a shot. Not in, not in free agency, no. Okay. 
Well, for you now, where are you? What kinds of things do you pursue? What are you up to? Um, yeah, like, now I do different things, you know. I mostly could do things from the phone. Uh, like currently right now, uh, of course, with this uh, stuff that's going on, uh, the pandemic, um, I'm working with guys to... Uh, to really move fast, move up a PP&E. So it's like the uh, equipment of kind of like the, the bunny suits, the mask, uh, the, the gloves and things like that uh, to different uh, places in the country and also, you know, out of the country. So I'm using my contacts uh, to, to do that. Um, you know, we also uh, have a machine um, uh, it's very interesting. It's called O2 Prime. Uh, this machine, uh, can't say cures or kills, but it directly affects, uh, all viruses, all airborne viruses, uh, single cell organism viruses. So, uh, it's something big that it's, it's been out the, the permanent one has been out and it can be installed into uh, AC units like in buildings. A couple places that it's in, it's like federal buildings, probably the most famous federal building, um, you know, in the Mayo Clinic and John Hopkins Clinic. Um, uh, you know, I mean, just some airports and stuff. But they were making a uh, portable one. And really came up with this portable one for the hospitals, the little tent hospitals that are making in New York uh, that you can just sit it in there and it's going to basically disinfect the air in those tents. So um, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing right now and uh, working on. Just really getting it out there, to be honest. Uh, it's O2 Prime Solutions. And, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's pretty awesome. It's it's going to take over. Uh, you know, once we get really rolling, I got some interviews. The thing that I put the owner on, um, you know, on TV and stuff, and it's going to really take off. It's gonna, I think it's going to save a lot of lives and businesses. That's awesome. Yeah, I hadn't heard about you helping out with the pandemic yet. That's really cool. Yeah, no, it's just, just, just staying, um, you know, staying in the shadows, trying to do what I can, you know. Do you do any other, or have you done any other community work or foundation work or anything that we haven't really heard about? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, whenever anybody asks anything, I do it. Um, I, I don't, I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I don't out there to try to promote myself or, you know, anything like that. I just, somebody wants me to ask me to do something like, you know, go to a, you know, a children's center or, uh, like, like a after school care program or, or churches or, or anything, you know, like, uh, yeah, I'll go do it, you know. For a good cause and for kids, definitely. That's awesome. Well, my final question for you 
what do people not know about Albert Hainsworth that you think they should? Uh, man, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much that they don't know, so I can't even. I can't even say that, you know. Okay. There's a lot, a lot. I'm a, I'm a book. I got many, many, many pages. Have you ever thought about a book, like writing one? Yes, a lot of people have said that, and you know, um, I don't know, I don't know. I, I have a neighbor. He writes books, and he wanted to, you know, kind of write it for me. I don't know what you call it. Like he tell my story, he put it in, into paper. You know, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Maybe, maybe one day. You should. Yeah, I would buy that, no doubt. Appreciate it. Albert, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I really appreciate your time. No, thanks for having me. Uh, anytime. Anytime you got my number, so uh, keep in touch. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Luke Winstall Show. Be sure to follow the podcast on social media at Luke Winstall Show on all platforms. That concludes this episode. Check back next week for more content.